0: Welcome to the Bulwark podcast. Tim Miller and I are both sufficiently caffeinated to go into the long holiday weekend. So, first of all, good morning, Tim. Good morning, Charlie. So, it turns I'm ready. out it turns out that both you and I are getting on airplanes later today, which means that I, I, I can bounce off this this dilemma I have with you that okay. if I have to wear a mask most of today, should I do I have to bother shaving?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I we don't have to think, you think about to... it, yeah. You know? I don't think you have to bother shaving today, no. No. I mean, I don't know what you have planned when you land. I don't know if you've got like a dinner jacket party or anything like that. So um, I I don't think you do. And uh, I get my, my dilemma is like, I guess if I'm going to have to suffer through a mask, I have a very short little puddle hopper. I'm a puddle hopper, I'm going to South to LA to see the LSU Tigers in the Rose Bowl for the first time in, hmm. in history. Um, and uh, I, I guess you do the N95, right? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I read we read the studies, we saw the studies, and and I guess if I have to suffer, um,
0: uh, you just do it right. No, I, I I think so at least. So so you're in the mood for right before the the podcast. You you named it Cold Joe Fall. I, so I we, said I'm it, we,
1: not letting cold Joe fall affect
0: my plans. Uh, okay, but we've <laughs> gone from hot Joe summer to cold Joe fall. Like I, I don't want to pile on, but you make a list of things that have happened uh, to the president uh, this week. Uh, you know, Afghanistan, the pandemic, you have fires, you have floods. Joe Manchin says that we should uh, have a strategic pause on the three and a half trillion dollar bill, which could torpedo it. You got these relatively crappy job numbers, massive miss and job creation. Um, and and then you have, you know, the polls showing that he's, that he's underwater. So yeah, it's, it seems like a long time ago that we were all giddy and, you know, hot Joe summer and economy was, it was coming only back. A couple weeks.
1: It and I, I'm like so that. happy I didn't write this. I was, I was thinking about, it. I, I, I had a, I had a mental take prepared. Um, you know, it wasn't quite ready yet. I knew it wasn't quite warm, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to jinx anything. Um, seems like the jinx was, was not. Um, did not. Was not relevant uh, in this instance. Um, but I was like. Everything has been hitting for him up through July, Um, and and I was like, I can't remember the last time the president had such a smooth year. Presidents don't get smooth years anymore. Um, uh, Maybe they never did. I don't don't know, but um, uh, I guess Bill Clinton kind of did. You know, before he got some trouble
0: in the nineties. Were there some smooth years
1: in the nineties? I don't remember. I don't remember the early nineties.
0: Everything in the nineties, even the impeachment, seems calm and normal compared to the. Yeah, exactly. So it's memory can can fool you
1: yeah you just don't get this you just don't get it and uh, it's uh, and there's just so much that's out of your hands um obviously I, I think some of these mistakes went in his hands some of them have been out and um and and yeah he's he's going through a, he's going to go through a little rocky period here um uh it's 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 an okay time for it uh a year and <laughs> plus out from the midterms rather than right before the midterms and uh, I, I think that there's time to to study the ship I, and i was um I, I I was on beg to differ yesterday the Mona Charon podcast that everybody should listen to for you know more serious talk than sometimes we offer here on uh on the on the flagship. Yeah, um, I'm offended, and I, I said I, this is happening with everyone, right? I mean, I mean Biden, is, Biden has Biden has has some unique problems. Uh, some of the Republican governors have had some unique problems, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but if you look at uh, Morning Consult, you know had a poll out yesterday that covered. The favorability ratings of all the guys, everybody's going down, basically, you know, except for a handful um, of of popular rhinos up in the Northeast, like our friend Phil Scott and Charlie Baker, but uh, pretty much everybody else's. uh popularity is going down uh people are not happy with delta um obviously we've had the climate issues that you've you've brought up um and we can talk about it more length and 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 afghanistan and it, and it's the news environment is is rocky for the president there's no doubt. yeah
0: it, it is so i'm just looking at the the chris Silliza newsletter from yesterday he had yeah. uh, his his newsletter was the poll number will send democrats into a panic now maybe that this doesn't factoring what's happening with the abortion issue, because I think that's going to be a big deal. Uh, So this is the new NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll. Uh, Biden's approval rating is down to 43%, a drop of six points in a single month, which is bad. Uh, But this is what he focused on. Uh, 41% of people say they strongly disapprove of the job Biden is doing well just 19% strongly approve of how he's handling his job so that would suggest there's kind of this passion gap i mean mm-hmm. the good news is the democrats are not a cult of personality the bad news is the republicans are and they will still crawl through you know glass and fire et, et cetera to vote for the orange god king but uh people are rather tepid right now on um, yeah i hope i hope once support. and
1: for all that we've eliminated there was this kind of popular theory on uh, on particularly left-wing Twitter uh, for a while uh, in the in the late 2010s, it was like, you know, persuading people doesn't matter anymore. It's all about it's all about matching the Republicans' enthusiasm gap. <laughs> it's like you're never going to match the enthusiasm gap of a cult, and and there is actually a, a pretty sizable chunk of people that that need to be persuaded for the Democrats to get to. Um, you know the 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 numbers that they need, especially because of the structural disadvantage they have in the electoral college and the senate. Like, like the Democrats need to persuade people that are not on board with the you know full AOC agenda. Um, I, there was some doubt that those people existed for some reason, which was always silly. But just the look at Biden's, I, you can just see it in Biden's favorability numbers. I, I, I think that these some of these people are, are folks that that. Disapprove of his policy decisions. Disapprove his handling of Afghanistan. I think sometimes with favorability, some of this is just mood of the country, right? People just use it as a stand-in for, ugh, the coronavirus is back, et cetera. Um, but, but I I, demonst- the, the, I I think it is um, uh, uh, re, you know, makes the case for, you know, the the David Shore, popularism Argument in the Democratic Party that they that they they need to that it is incumbent upon them to focus on doing popular things and being popular oh, yeah. in a way that it's well, not incumbent on Republicans well, well, because of the cult and that might yeah. be unfair but it's reality.
0: Yeah what what a what a radical idea that they should do popular things that they, <laughs> so, you know, and Matt, that's by, by the way that's yeah. very controversial. On I, the know, I know it, it, it's it's very, <laughs> it, it's it's funny Matt Lewis actually has an interesting column in, in the Daily Beast today. You know why is nobody trying to seduce the Never Trumpers? seems like, look, if you look at the numbers and never Trump voters, you know, appear to have made a, a difference in states like Wisconsin. And you know, that whole that whole Ron Johnson thing, admitting that the Trump loss is basically his argument is, look, if, if all the Republicans who voted in down ballot races had voted for Trump, he would have won the state. But he didn't. He he, he lost about, you know, 50,000 votes of people who voted for other Republicans, but didn't vote for Trump. So, hey, you know, who knows? Never Trumpers turn out to be relevant. And yet it's interesting. There's nothing in the Republican Party or, frankly, in a lot of the rhetoric of the Democrats that suggests that that we're on anybody's screen right now. You know, um,
1: Matt, I didn't realize Matt Lewis was so needy. I guess he needs chocolates and some yeah, uh, some Seduce roses us. and, uh, you know, kind you know. of um, uh, work me, work me over. Um uh, look, I, I, he's correct in the uh, assessment of the politics, right? I, I mean, I think that your point, the Ron Johnson video was so telling, and I loved um, our friend Sarah Longwell's tweet about that, mm-hmm. which was like, man, I, I think if you summarized this viral video of Ron Johnson explaining why the Republicans lost in 2020, uh, he's essentially saying it was the Republican voters against Trump that did it, and and he's right in that as... as kooky as ron johnson can be um uh, he can still look at numbers um uh when he's when he's being when he's being forthright and um and it was voters that voted for republicans down ballot um and joe biden that, that helped uh push him over the edge in wisconsin and pennsylvania um in georgia um uh, probably in arizona too for that matter um and 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 it is a relevant demo the problem is that you know, if, if you're Republicans right now, you're looking at juicing that enthusiasm gap that you just talked about, um, and you don't do that by you know talking to us about norms and comedy and all the things that we care about. Uh, and if you're the if you're the Democrats, I, I think that Biden is is you know worried about shoring up his his base. I, I think that there's a little bit more of a strategic question about whether that's the right move or not. Um, but I think that they're feeling a lot of pressure from the left flank pressure you know the, they have the trifecta they have the house and the senate and the president they need to get things done if they don't do it if they don't appease the left then then they're going to have um uh, 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 enthusiasm gap next year and, and that kind of just you know leaves us homeless again and lonely
0: with uh you know we, nobody but we're nobody
1: calling us nobody texting you know nobody See, I, I
0: made my i made my peace with that you know, other people were more enthusiastic about you know talking about red dog Democrats or the Biden Democrats, and I'm like, hey, no, so I'm a, I, I like being on an island. I, I'm 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 anti-social. I've been I've been in my basement here for the last year and a half with nobody talking to me, and I'm okay with this. This is fine.
1: Well, I'm glad yeah. that you're secure in yourself and don't need to be buttered up uh, to the degree that Matt Lewis does. I you know some people are more needy than need you. Some
0: people are more needy, Charlie. But I, I will she say, she played this. the Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> you know. <laughs> i am a
1: rock i am you know what I, yeah exactly. um boy these 60s references this it makes me feel bad my not my party yesterday was a reference to a 1998 movie and i started doing the math in my head and i was like literally 56 percent of the audience was not born when this 1998 movie uh when rounders came out excellent movie um better than the simon garfunkel song if we're gonna make all these references no. Uh, but okay. I'll say this about the Deeply, Red Dogs, just no, really quick. It's wrong. Strategically speaking. Deeply wrong. Um, the, the the Democrats need Charlie, right? And, and so I, I think that there are versions of Charlie Sykes out there. People don't act like this. This character doesn't exist. Uh, it does exist. It, it is not enough to have any influence in either party, but it is enough to swing elections. And, and and you know, this bizarro Charlie does not follow politics as closely as you do. Right. Right. And, and 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 they didn't like Donald Trump at all. Um, but they're, you know, still uh conservative. I won't say what their age what age bracket they're in. Um, you know, they live in the suburbs of the exurbs of a there's city st- like such there's, as there's Milwaukee. Maybe it's Detroit. Yeah, they're spry. They're <laughs> spry, they're in the Detroit exurbs. And and yeah, if things are going poorly, if if the virus looks like it's coming back and afghanistan looks like it's a, it's a shit show and um you know they 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 don't feel like their economic prospects are improving as much as they thought I, like that person is likely to just go back to the other team and and wow. and that is think, an important uh, part right now of the democrats coalition because they lost the working class union guys—you can't lose the working class union guys and not gain back this suburban ex-urban Charlie Sykes. That is a recipe for a big Republican majority in the House and you know a four or five seat Republican majority in the Senate. Uh, you got to go one of those paths, and 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 so and 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 so it, it's an important group for the Democrats Good to thing. eventually court.
0: Okay, so let's do a little bit of a lightning round here. Okay. Unfair questions early in the morning. Right. So the biggest threat to Joe Biden and the Democrats right now is blank. I think it's a perception of
1: incompetence. I, I don't think that it's any one thing. I think it's an overall perception that that he's lost the rope.
0: Okay. I'm not uh, saying
1: that I think that he's lost the rope or anything like that. I just think that that if you combine the virus and Afghanistan and kind of the messaging of Republicans—that's that, yeah, I mean, the biggest concern.
0: Okay, He's got to I, steady the ship. I, I, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. That the biggest threat to Biden and the Democrats right now is this sense of lack of competence. Um, look, I think there's there's all kinds of challenges out there, including including rising crime, including the border, including okay. this the the you know what happened in Afghanistan, the impression of weakness. Uh, inflation is going to be a very significant uh, I- I- issue. All of these things. Uh, The the mood of the country um, is is a threat. But you know what I wrote down? My answer was the biggest threat to Joe Biden right now is the progressive echo chamber that won't let them know what the biggest threats are, (laughs) That that will talk about other things or that will get their hair on fire about things that actually do not speak to the voters that you were just describing so eloquently a moment ago. Because the reality is that sometimes You know you you know and you know you you and look you and I are both contributed to a certain you know cable station turn on every once in a while and I go okay do you actually listen to yourself do you know how this is actually going to play anywhere else because you know there there is a strain of thought that says that right now that the response to everything that's happening is let's go as far left as aggressively as possible let's just do all this again well no not necessarily that may not be what works for you so. So okay, that was that was question. I, yeah, can yeah. I just I, sure. I, I want to respond to that because
1: I agree um as a political matter that that is a threat that the Democrats face and and I think that um they could benefit from some self-reflection. I, I would say I want I want to explain this. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day. I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Okay, here it is. Um it's from my old friend John Favreau. Um he wrote, here's the GOP platform for 2022. Bounties on abortions harass and disenfranchise dem voters fire educators who teach kids about racism prevent schools from stopping covid spread threaten businesses to comply with a domestic terrorism investigation and i I watched i looked at that tweet and i was like yeah he's right the republicans are fucking insane yeah they're batshit insane but here's the problem is that a lot of that stuff is kind of ephemeral. You know, how we talked during the Trump era that this was really it was one of the most frustrating things for me when Trump was around is that all of the stuff that made me the that made my hair on fire the most about him was uh, the way he treated the way he went around doing his business. like uh, and and just like the notion of having this corrupt, venal, Bigoted piece of crap in the West Wing. Like that's what bugged me the most. That, uh, there's a there's a there's a pack of voters out there that just don't care about that stuff that much, right? And, and that and that for Trump to lose, he needed to fuck something up that affected them personally. Right, the virus was finally that. Right, and, and so right now, when the and maybe this can be abortion, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Yes, but yeah. but but right now, when you look at this stuff, like the January sixth, and like the rhetoric around critical race theory, and the rhetoric around refugees, and all of the stuff that we can rant and rave about, it is all noxious. It is all terrible, but it's not impacting people's lives day to day. Right. And, and so, and so I think this is part of the problem is that some of it is ideological in the progressive echo chamber. And some of it is just like, how can you not look at these guys and think that they're batshit and insane? And that, and, and how can you vote for them? And, and Which we understand is creating these yeah. blinders.
0: No, no, creating the wait, blinders, which we can sympathize with. Totally. Um, so give me an opinion that you have that you, you, you hold very strongly, but you're nervous to express publicly <laughs> <laughs> this is <the> right now <laughs> um, it's funny you no say no this. no just just between you and me
1: yeah just between, just between you and me we're going to cut it. this part well no, i, I we're my not. My, uh, my my um weekend newsletter might be about this i have it i've about half written i haven't decided um it it's tough to t- i i got just uh. slammed for a very soft anti-abortion comment on twitter yesterday oh. uh, or two days ago and and i do think that sometimes our new friends Um, it's, you know, there, it's easy to have lip service and say, you know, I just appreciate the fact that we're all aligned and defending democracy and that we all uh, care about the big enemy, you know, Donald Trump the most. And, and I'm so appreciative that they, that they switch teams. And I love the never (laughs) Trumpers. That's like a nice
0: thing to say, right? And we're looking forward to getting back to debating other issues. Yeah. I look forward to getting back to debating other issues. Fuck that. (laughs) Then
1: when the other issues come (laughs) up, it's kind of like, whoa, like this guy's insane. So, I, you know, I, I think that you you wrote in your uh, newsletter today about abortion, uh, and I think you did a really nice job going through the polling, and I, I'd encourage people to just look at it because I don't have it off the top of my head. Like The mainstream of the country is, is kind of where I am on abortion, and yet I am not I, – I, I'm anathema to both the Republican Party's yeah. position on it and – the democratic elite position. I, I think that I'm pretty well in line with what a lot of ma- rank and file Democrats who are just completely absent from cable news, you know, I mean, that they're just silenced from cable news, but like, the, the, a no, there's, that, a hu-
0: there's a huge middle. There is. Yeah. Actually. This yeah. notion
1: that, that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, rape incest life for the mother, you know, or early term abortions, um, you know, uh, when there's fetal abnormalities, like all these sorts of things, but like, that doesn't mean that, that, you know, there should just be abortion on demand, unrestricted abortion, late term, all, all this sorts of stuff. Like that is that is the mainstream opinion of the country. Um, I, I might write a little bit more about what kind of undergirds my view about that this weekend. I don't know. May, it might be for next weekend if I don't feel like I do a very good job. So y'all can hold me accountable. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, that it's tough to talk about. For, it no, is no it, doubt, and and pretending it, like it's not. I mean, you know, because the replies I got from the people that disagree, uh, you know, it's not just like. Tim I respectfully
0: disagree with your opinion on late-term abortion <laughs> it's it's much it's much meaner than that yeah you're, you're a man you shouldn't have an opinion about all of this no they the, the the polling is has always been fascinating to me because you you do have like about you know 60 percent of Americans who favor abortion rights sort of in the abstract don't want to see Roe overturned that's been kind of consistent when you get down into the other numbers you know you have about 31 percent who believe that abortion should always be legal the the absolutist pro uh, pro-choice position only eight percent of Americans think it should be illegal without any exceptions and this is interesting because the Texas bill allows no exceptions for rape or incest so this is a bill supported by, nationally eight percent of, of of voters and yet these extremes are the ones that now dominate the debate and if you try to have any sort of a nuanced opinion you get absolutely slim so by the way that, that was a pretty good answer to what, what you're what you're what you're nervous about here's here's what i'm nervous about okay saying and i, I was going to say somebody's name but, but i'm not going to do it but you know some of the i guess i i guess i I am, I am torn with thinking that people should really be taking um, everything happening uh, very, very seriously. But uh, the hysterical, you know, they shot Johnny and I'm going to run into the machine guns rhetoric is getting a little bit much. But the, the the more specific point is I do think that democracy faces an existential threat. And I think Democrats are completely missing the point. I think that when they go to uh, they dial up the outrage meter to 12 on the Texas bill that says, for example, we can't have um, you know voting at 3 a.m. or drive-through voting and everything. Okay, you can make a case why that's a good thing as opposed to a bad thing. That is not the end of democracy as we know it. What is the end of democracy as we know it is the possibility that Republicans will convince themselves that they can use their legislative majorities to overturn the popular vote in the electoral college. And so while there's all of this heavy breathing about these restrictions, about drop boxes and everything, fine, fine, fine. It's a much bigger problem um, about who counts the votes and, and what that environment's going to be. And so, you know, again, you have all of this, you know, big breastfeeding about some of the details in the Texas bill, which I'm not defending and I'm not saying is, you know, shouldn't be opposed, but that is not the, that is not. Jim Crow times 10, that is not the greatest threat to democracy. It's something else involving the way electoral votes are counted. And I just don't see any Democrat coming to grips with it. And the other thing that I'm a little bit nervous about writing is a column that I actually have in front of me (laughs) with with the title, Democrats, you had one job, not to fuck it up. (laughs) And then it goes on.
1: Yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and tank the bulwark here this week. I'll just I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about my hardline anti abortion stance and you can talk about the Democrats not fucking it up and you know, it's been fun. It's been a great like year or two years, however long it's been, great downloads and you know, but let's just go for it. Let's talk about your not you're, together, published the same day.
0: Okay, so you're you're not your party. Um, I wrote about it this week. You wrote about it, and I'm, and yeah. this is not a matter of Schadenfreude. I want to make it people very very clear that no one's yes. taking any pleasure in this, but it's an extraordinary phenomenon. And you, and I wrote about it, and you talked about it, and people ought to watch the video all of these anti-vax talk show hosts who've been railing against vaccines and masks and sneering about, you know, Tony, about Anthony Fauci and about the CDC and then get COVID and then die of COVID. I mean, it, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's it's like COVID karma working overtime. And these are terrible, terrible tragedies, but it is an amazing story. And it makes you wonder really what's going on. And I mean, yeah, well, you kind of know what you're going know.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, was, I, was, I was texting with pr- pr- producer drew about um, about how I wanted to do this topic uh, on Sunday night and then your your newsletter popped Monday yeah. morning and I was like great Charlie did have to work mm-hmm. for us he's already done all the research um I, it is um it's it's important because I I think that it is telling of an underlying thing that that has political resonance I think for Democrats which is that that the Entire program that that JD Vance, Josh Mandel style populists are offering Republicans is phony. Like it's full, it's it's phony, it's nonsense. Like they're being suckered, and um, uh, they don't actually care about anyone. And I don't know how there could not be a more stark example of how little the so called Republican populists give a fuck about the people that that they claim to be fighting for. Then what's happening right now? I mean, there there is absolutely no reason that these people should be dying. There's no reason. And and it's not as if they're not interested in taking medicine. It's not as if this is like a prin- like the Christian scientist or whatever. They're out there, you know, taking the bojack horseman pills. You know, they're out there taking hydroxychloroquine. It's not like hydroxychloroquine is like Advil, you know, it's like it's it's something they just heard about. But because the elite doctors you know, the elite liberals, you know, in Washington and New York weren't, weren't telling them to take it, then they felt like it was good. It's a populist medicine. And, and, and you know, that was one thing when it was kind of an online shtick. Um, and, you know, when the president's going crazy, but when everyone else, you know, before there's a vaccine, before there's an alternative, um, it, was, it was inappropriate there. But now, when there is a, a medicine that protects people, From this almost entirely from death like with 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 Mm -hmm. a very very small percent of exceptions of people who have other underlying medical problems uh um and yet still people in 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 these communities the jd vance's whole shtick is that he cares about his whole shtick is that i care about the hillbillies i care about the white working class uh the these elites in the coast don't get don't care about you The people that he claims to care about are keeling over and dying of a disease that we have a vaccine for because they don't have the balls to say to everybody, actually, guys, Fauci is right on this one. Fauci is right on this one. You don't have to like him. You don't have to like every piece of advice that he gave, but like the vaccine is what is going to protect you. And they won't. They do not say it. Greg Abbott has three shots. He went out and got himself a black market booster shot. He got an early drop of that before the album came out, <laughs> and 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 meanwhile, the conservative talk show hosts in his state are dying, and the conservative um, uh, grassroots guys who are holding these you know anti mask rallies are dying, and, and and you know he'll he'll say oh, yeah yeah get a vaccine. It'll be kind of like a side point. But, but they don't sign an executive order that bans people from mandating vaccines. Uh, these guys are charlatans. They're phonies. They're suckering people. And people are dying because of it. And I just, it's pretty astonishing that we've now gone many months of this.
0: And it's if anything, it's picking up steam that's the thing that's interesting about it now again when I say you wonder what's happening I mean you may be thinking you know yelling at the at whatever it is you're listening to us on saying well it's obvious what, what what's happening here but I mean the the fact that these hosts who are so outspoken about it then get the disease and die makes you wonder whether they're doing more than just talking about it whether there's kind of a strutting arrogance where they have convinced the people around them and you know not to do it as well as then engage in behaviors that, you know, sort of, you know, we're going to walk the walk, which, by the way, I think they probably make a distinction between these guys who who died tragically. And we're, we're not taking any pleasure in this whatsoever, no. because it's no terrible, pleasure. I want them to live. Ter- terrible loss for their families they left behind wives and, and, and children. But at least they did actually walk the walk as opposed to the Fox hosts who also cast out on the vaccines. But, you know. Have taken the vaccine. You know that Tucker Carlson's vaccinated. No. You know Laura Ingram is vaccinated. You know that Fox requires them to inform them of their vaccine status. So the real hypocrisy are these, you know, Fox hosts who you know are sneering at the vaccines and the and the mask mandates when they themselves are vaccinated and live in a, I'm guessing, a, a an antiseptic bubble, um, protecting yeah. themselves from the the unwashed people they are misleading. Yeah, I mean, there aren't any Fox dying, you know. You don't
1: see, it. and there's some old, there's some oldies over there, right? I mean, I guess Tucker's in his middle age still, but um, you know, there's some old folks over there, and they're not dying. Or the former Fox Lou Dobbs isn't dying. Like all these people got got the shot, and and I just I, the, the 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 anthropological side of this is is more interesting to me, though it's outside of my expertise. But I I, I cannot fathom why they're you know why people are just not seeing this anecdotally in their lives and changing behavior i mean you're seeing a little bit right like the vaccine rates are going you are seeing it a little bit yeah but you're not seeing it faster i i guess i don't I, i had a friend who told me recently that in in their church uh you know there was a particular couple that was like harassing people that would wear masks and, and, and were particularly strong that. anti-vaxxers. Yeah, obviously. And so, you know, you know where the story's going. Uh, both of them are in the ICU with kids. Oh, and it's just God. like, I mean, this, it, it, how many times does this story have to happen in different communities all across the country before everybody, you know, before everybody's like, all right, like, um, let's just, let's just count this one as an L here and, and go ahead and get vaxxed and, and you, you know, on. We can go on and owning the lit, we can go on the libs on something else. Um, but, but, you know, and, and you are seeing the vaccine numbers go up. So there must be a little bit of that, but some of that I think is due to the mandates that is that are happening in other States, um, more than, more than a cultural shift in these so you, communities.
0: So you mentioned JD Vance, um, who has, you know, continues to, to play the 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 darkest, most deplorable MAGA cards. You know, it's it's not just that he's put on the MAGA mask. He he now feels that he has to go as, you know, as far as possible. I mean, this is a guy who is this respected author, best selling author of of Hillbilly Elegy. And I mean, he really has become a, a cartoon character of himself. Uh, Stephanie Slade in Reason Magazine has a great piece about his transformation into a hate monger. But his latest tweet, or at least was yesterday let me he's he's tweeting he's subtweeting somebody who said breaking the Biden White House proposes lowering the penalty for fentanyl trafficking crimes by the way I do not know what the story is there okay just this is what he's commenting on um and JD Vance then tweets the white working class loved Donald Trump as punishment Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will kill as many of their children as they can there's so much going on there. The, the 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 fact that he's so comfortable with the whole throwing around white and then you know name checking Kamala Harris is interesting, and that that somehow by lowering the criminal penalties for this, that this means they want people to die, while at the same time J.D. Vance and and his fellow and, and his fellow MAGA types um, are continuing to push things that are literally killing children. I mean, you know that we've been talking about here, and, and, and you know the amazing thing about the the whole JD Vance story is that that tweet wasn't even the worst one in oh, the Senate no, no, race. Not even close, and it's not even not even the close. He's running against Josh Mandel, who is uh, the front runner. Who is? I, I wrote about it in my newsletter today. The, he obviously takes his xenophobia raw and his bigotry straight. He Put out a tweet due to radical Muslim refugees. English citizens are afraid to enter Muslim areas of London. French citizens are afraid to enter Muslim areas of Paris. And now Biden wants to make Toledo, Ohio, a hotbed for Afghans, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. We must fight this with all of our might, not in America, exclamation exclamation point. So he's gone all in anti-Afghan refugees, just playing the whole Aye, Donald J. Trump want a complete and total ban on Muslims, and the reality is, in the Republican Party, he'll pay no price for that. That's the sad. That's the tragic. That's just the reality, isn't it? Yeah, he's done
1: a couple of follow-ups too. He uh, he talked about Elon Omar infiltrating the U.S. government, um, and how the Afghan refugees will infiltrate infiltrate us, like Ilhan Omar has. Um, he did. Uh, he re-upped. Like one of the one of the grossest tweets of the entire last month was from this guy Steve Cortez, who is a Trump pundit, um, Trump uh, uh, surrogate on cable news. I think now he has a Newsmax contract or some other like D-list conservative TV outlet, um, and he he tweeted that picture of all of the Afghans in the in the plane. You know, and talked about how oh, he does yeah. more than coming to his neighborhood. This was on yeah. on August 17th. Yeah. Josh Mandel just decided to quote tweet that today, this morning. Today. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, three weeks later, he's like, you know, this, 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 the grossest tweet of August, I want to make sure we carry it into September. Um, and, uh, you know, he wrote about how these planes are being emptied into Toledo. I, I you know, it, if, there, if the Ohio Senate race didn't exist, like a liberal. Uh, movie yeah. script writer in Hollywood would have to make it up honestly i mean oh, I like agree like, like they are a parody of everything that is like that that liberals think is the worst about republicans like and anything that you know you could conjure in your head at, you know that that would be a caricature of a bigoted hackneyed, you know phony um, Republican, uh, uh, Josh Mandel and JD Vance have, have that in spades. And, uh, you know, it's just, like what, what more to even say about this race? I mean, I, I think that the fact that they think that the, this is the path, like, you know, explicitly talking about how they only care about the white working class, uh, explicitly talking about in JD Vance's case, about that, how Af- Afghan refugees, might bomb a mall if they look at your wife the wrong way if you look at their wife the wrong way. Um uh, kind of y- y- taking the the grotesque Trump comments about Kazir Khan and just like turning up the juice a level on them, turning up the, the bigotry a level. Um uh, what you just laid out with Mandel. I I you know like this is just straight into the vein hatred. And and that is what they're promoting. And and you know, there is no blowback for it. I, and there's I mean, no it was not that long ago that Steve King got run out on a rail yeah. um, and it took a long time. You know, the, the Republicans didn't deserve any like great medals or points for running him out, but they did. You know, there was there was some accountability. You see nothing. Like the outside of the never Trump community, you see no criticism of, of these guys on the right. Like there is a full embrace. None. Um, if anything, other candidates are trying to mimic them. And see that as the, as their path to winning primaries, and and this is the this is the toilet drain that we're circling um, in in these Republican primaries right well, now. That's distressing.
0: I, well, I want to get to the the Texas abortion law in just a moment, yeah. but but th- this seems to relate to it in some ways that e- even though they're wallowing in all of this, these are very unpopular opinions. This new ABC poll out this morning, Washington Post poll shows nearly 7 in 10 Americans, 68%, say they support taking in Afghan refugees after mm-hmm. security screening. Only 27% oppose them. This is interesting. Support for the refugees comes from a majority of Republicans, 56% say we should welcome them, 39% who oppose, which is very interesting. So this yep. is not a this is not a winning issue. Okay. No, so, just really quick on that. Yeah, yeah. Every, they're comp- it's because they're competing for the 39%. Right, right. right. I mean, they're, and, and I think
1: that they're misjudging the party mm-hmm. a little bit. They probably think it's 50-50. They're competing for the 39. And, and I think that they're probably right that it's 50-50, that there's maybe about a 10% of the Republican base that is saying that they're for this, like to own Joe Biden kind of, which is like the best kind of, owning the libs if you want to bring in refugees to own joe biden that's 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 just fine with me um because because these folks need need our um uh need community building in this country but um but yeah that is that is the encouraging element about this is that there there is I think a real part of the Republican base that wants to do the right thing. Obviously, the Democrat Democrats and Independents have have been in favor of this, and and these folks are vetted, right? This is not the Syrian refugee crisis vetted, where people vetted, are just vetted, storming vetted. over the border. Like they're go, they're stopping in Qatar and Qatar, excuse me, yeah. uh, they're stopping in cut. Right? I mean, this is a very controlled process. Um, this is not like what's happening in Europe or the border. The only argument against bringing these Afghans here is pure bigotry and hatred that's the only argument like i while i disagree with some of the arguments that have been put forth about syrian refugees and asylees at the border there are some some legitimate concerns about you know crime and etc um if you do not have a vetting system right sure. if you're just overwhelmed right like you know there that the, that's just the nature of you know how how you know rule rule of law works that's not what's happening here with afghanistan these folks are coming on military planes stopping and And people right i mean these are the most vetted people in history if they were if they were secret terrorists like you know they're they're pretty good at hiding it seeing that they've been working with our
0: military for the last decade (laughs) so uh, you want a sign of the apocalypse yeah sure I actually agree with the Wall Street Journal editorial this morning. Whoa. So, see, no, it's funny because I, I, I used to, like, you know, read them all the time, you know, before, you know pre, pre-Trump, and I thought they were pretty reasonable until, you know— Trump broke everybody's mind, but, but they write about this, uh, the Alabama abortion law and you Texas. know well, I'm sorry, Texas, Alabama. We always they're, smear Alabama. I know, podcast, I know. And then and we get emails about that. Yeah. But it's, they usually uh, deserve the it. It's the first week in a football season. So it's a good time to smear Alabama, but I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go Miami, Texas, Texas abortion blunder. Uh, they say the Supreme court was right not to interfere for now. Wrong. So I just, dis- I disagree with that. But then it's saying that this is, it's a ridiculous law. So, I mean, here's the two paragraphs. Most laws delegate enforcement to public officials. This one delegates exclusive exclusive enforcement to private citizens who are authorized to sue anyone who aids or abets an abortion after six weeks. Citizens who prevail in their civil lawsuits are entitled to at least $10,000 per abortion along with legal costs. And then they say the law sets an awful precedent that conservatives should hate. No kidding. Could California allow private citizens to sue individuals for hate speech or New York deputize private lawsuits against gun owners? Yeah, why not? See, I think this is one of those, and I'm sorry to use the cliche about the dog that catches the bus. I apologize in advance for all of that. But This strikes me as if it is going to be a victory for pro-lifers on the Texas law, it is a catastrophic victory. This is the worst possible bill that they could be defending because you do not have to be pro-choice to look at a law that basically uh, puts bounties on the heads of private citizens, and allowing your neighbors, your co-workers, your in-laws, you know, just strangers with a tip line, um, filing lawsuits against people who might have been involved in an abortion. This whole spying on one another, you know, handing out cash for people, dropping a dime on one another. Look, this is... the. If Democrats would focus on this, and it's like, for some reason, it's like, like guys, guys, would you l- look at this law? This is like the worst law ever. You're going, this is, there's no way that Republican politicians are going to want to defend, you know, having the, you know, was it Mrs. Krebs down the street file a lawsuit um, against somebody, you know, if, you know, she thinks that they might have driven you to an abortion or something like that. That is not going to play. And as I mentioned earlier, and I can't stress this enough, Only 8% of Americans favor a complete ban on abortions with no exceptions whatsoever. So here we are, front and center, a Texas law that says no abortions after six weeks, which is, in effect, a real abortion ban, um, and no exceptions for rape or incest. Tim Miller, in what world is that going to be a plus for Republicans in the midterm?
1: Hmm. I just, I just Hmm. want
0: to know, out of the depths
1: of whose warped mind do these like bills come from? I, is, 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 I mean, Alec is bad enough, but is like they're like an evil Alec, or is there just like one sociopath in the corner there who like comes up with these ideas? Because remember those, what were those ultras? What was the euphemism for the ultrasounds where you would, where that you would literally. Have to penetrate a woman's vagina to try to get to get remember. the ultrasound that they had to go through before they could get an abortion. Do you remember these and the odds no, these bills? I should. It was there were there was sort one of in Virginia and like normal states that were trying to pass these invasive ultrasound bills, which were that was kind of what led to the Todd Aiken, uh kerfuffle and all that. I mean, it's just a political nightmare, a moral nightmare, uh, and 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 this is I, I feel like the. You know, uh, antecedent to that, like what you are seeing in Texas, I, I don't. I, you, Everything you said is right. It's just hard to to add on top of that how you could like think that a system where a rapist, literally in the system, a rapist uh, could sue. I, I, I should. I'm only. only yeah. I'm laughing in the macabre sense. Like you know, could could sue to get a bounty for you know the for if after seven weeks their victim um, had an abortion. Yeah, you right, can't, like, you I, can't I, sue oh, the
0: woman herself. That that's important. To, right, right. right. To, to they say.
1: could get a, but I mean, they could get a sue, get a bounty from like the doctor, or you know, who or. you know, somebody who drove her, or right. like all, all all these sorts of absurd. Aids and uh, a like, ways. Yeah, there's no there's no exception for rape or incest. I, and uh, six weeks, and then you had the picture. Have you seen the picture from the bill signing? They all these like it's all these old white guys with the, these creepy grins. There are some there are some women there, uh, but it's mostly old white like, guys with like these creepy grins doing the heart sign with their with their hands. And it's Wonderful. just like, like how did you think? like when you talked about the liberal bubble earlier? Yeah, like this is at a whole new level. See, I level. think I think nobody approves it, it, this.
0: See, this is an interesting point because they're all thinking, uh, "What a great clever idea this is!" And by the way, y- you can see you know why they did it this way because and, and 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 this is why the the law was not struck down by it was not put on hold by the Supreme Court because the enfor- the state itself does not enforce the law. The law enforcement is completely outsourced to this vigilante litigation system and they're hoping that the private vigilantes will do it. So that creates a different legal environment, at least technically. So some lawyers cook this up and said, this is a way to skirt around, uh, you know, the, 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 the courts and, and, and Roe versus way too clever by half. But what it's done is, is create this absolutely creepy. I know what you did last summer culture in the state of Texas. <laughs> so if you know, if you noticed, yeah. by the way, in the, in, the, in speaking of other old movies, <laughs> yeah. if you, if look, in, the last, in the last 24 hours, you haven't seen a lot of football spiking from Republican politicians and Fox News. I don't know. I think when like 12 hours without even mentioning abortion. I mean, it's like yeah. you would, you'd think that they would be thinking this was a pretty cool thing. But no, you know
1: who hates this more than anyone is Ron DeSantis he already gets asked about it yesterday and he's eyeing that 2024 primary and thinking to himself, uh, you know, do I have to do something like this now? Right. Uh, I said so to not let Greg Abbott or someone, some other lunatic get to the right of me in the 2024 primary in the event that Donald Trump keels over because he's at 67% in the 2024 primary polls, according to Emerson yesterday. Uh, so DeSantis, um, uh, you know, women of Florida should be very deeply concerned at this point, because I think DeSantis is going to feel pressure to do something akin to this. Um, it is, it, I, it, the, the whole, the whole thing is preposterous. It's an absolutely preposterous system. And, um, and, but, but, you know, I mean, the way that our, poli- the, the way that the incentive structure of our politics is right now, I, can we really be certain that it's going to get rolled back? I, I don't know. You know, no. I don't think so. Right. I, I because, know. you know, if you're the Republicans, um, despite the fact that there's not a lot of football spiking, you know, there also isn't going to be a lot of blowback in the sort of alternate universe of, you know, the Newsmax media and this, you know, ban- the, you know, the the far right media um, in their communities, there's not going to be blowback. Um, you know, we've already seen that they are completely impervious uh, wow. to what's happening in real life, even if people are, are dying all around them. Um, and so I, I think that it's a real, uh, you know, serious issue for, for
0: women in, in Texas. Um, uh, in addition to kind of the political ramifications. Well, let's talk about the political ramifications because, you know, w- earlier on the podcast, we were talking about the the passion gap between Republicans and Democrats. And clearly in a, in a, in a midterm election, you you want to gin up your base. You want to have some enthusiasm and Democrats seem not to have had it. Republicans seem to have a lot of things that were motivating them, getting them angry, getting them turned out, kind of quasi 2010 mood. This strikes me as changing the dynamic. Because two or three days ago, we would have, I think, reasonably thought that what happened in Afghanistan would be the determinative issue in the, mid, in the minds of voters. But now, I mean, you've been around politics for a long time. What's likely to have more impact, the ab- abortion issue or Afghanistan, when, when we're talking about this a year from now?
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly abortion, I, I, though for me Afghanistan is really a stand-in for the competence question. Um, yeah. You know, and, and 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 I think and that whether passion. Afghanistan, yeah. yeah, whether Afghanistan has staying power, I think has less to do with whether people actually care about the fact that we're out of Afghanistan, which ob- they obviously won't, and more about whether Biden, you know, seems like he's got control of the reins here, and and that the, and that you know swing voters can feel confident uh, about about maintaining unified Democratic control. The the abortion bill is obviously, um, you know, going to have more of an impact in a different set of voters, which is that 19 percent number that you, you cited earlier of the very favorable for Biden. Uh, can the abortion bill be used to uh, up the ante on enthusiasm on the left um, and defray? you know, Mm -hmm. some of the natural losses that you have from always from enthusiasm in a first year midterm, you know, where the other side wants revenge and the other side wants to, you know, um, you can demagogue against whatever the worst, you know, whatever, you know, bill was passed that that their base likes the least, whereas the side of power has complaints about their side in power. And so that's just a natural part of our system. Um, I, I think the abortion bill could help sort of mitigate some of that.
0: Oh, I um, think it's, I, I think it's going to fire people about, up. Yeah, no, I mean, go. this is, we you know, we keep talking about, you know, culture war issues and most of those culture war issues, I think had been cutting in favor of Republicans, at least in terms of motivating people to come out. Well, this is the mother of all culture war issues. This is like the er culture war issue. And and right now, um, if, if Democrats needed something to turn them out, um, to, uh, to capitalize on their gains with women voters, this would be the issue. Now, again, I I, I, we, we, I, have to just remind people, because a lot of the commentary I think was pretty terrible yesterday on all of this. Number one, the court has not yet overturned Roe versus Wade. This should be very, very clear. They have not ruled on the constitutional issue. There's certainly reason to be very concerned about it. I think the signs are not auspicious for them upholding it, but we have a long way to go before that happens. So it's certainly possible that between now and the midterms, the court could come back and say, okay, we're going to modify Roe and Casey. We're not going to throw them out completely. We're not going to uh, green light this uh, vigilante system. So a lot of things could could happen here. So I think this is a huge potential negative for re- Republicans um, in the in the midterms and going ahead. But the Democrats can still blow it because this is a theme that we need to come back to. If they counter with legislation that guarantees third trimester abortion rights right up until the moment of birth, you know, the kind of thing they were talking about in Virginia at one time, that would not be great. If they decide to take this as a reason to pack the court, that would not be great. You take a an issue that puts your opponents in, you know, deep, you know, in a, in a deep moral and political hole, and you let them out by taking a, an extreme position on the other side. And that both those things are possible.
1: Yeah, and I just to my point earlier, I, there is a lot of pressure on Democrats. And it wasn't that long ago that the Democrats had a um a very heterodox like uh, caucus on this issue right they had some pro-life people that's who were safe legal and rare they had some folks that were pri- personally pro-life but, but pro-choice some people who are against late term like I, it is the echo chamber makes it very hard for them right now um as um as, as i was mentioning earlier to 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 support any of anything besides well
0: look at joe um, biden himself i mean yeah, joe biden been... himself had a nuanced position he was he's you know he's anti-abortion but was n- not in favor of bans on abortion but he also supported the Hyde amendment so he, his position was women should have a right to choose but we don't use taxpayer money that was kind of that compromised position and given the fact that the party has moved so far to the left he was forced to abandon the position he had held for decades and now supports throwing out the Hyde amendment which uh is uh and public uh, opinion, by yeah. the way, yeah, hasn't yeah. shifted like that. It's not like no, gay marriage, no.
1: right, where public opinion has shifted to the left, and so you know the democratic politicians followed public opinion. It's not necessarily this is not a right or wrong. And you know, obviously, sometimes politicians should lead public opinion. Um, but but it's just an observation about the politics of this. Gay marriage, the public opinion, you know, was was the leading indicator. Politicians followed. This is, a, you know, a, a a base politics play where where the public opinion on abortion has stayed pretty static. If anything, moved against Democrats a little bit over the past few decades. Um, wh- while you know they they've taken a more extreme position, so that puts them at political risk. I, I'll say this though: none of that is. Anywhere near as unpopular as eight percent, which is how, you know where the no abortions even in the case of rape and incest. Um, I don't. I don't know where bounties on abortions um, in the case of rape and incest come. That might even get lower than eight percent. Um, it's hard to get lower than eight percent on anything. So um, you know that is it is a potential for a big political wedge. Um, and, but I, you know I can understand um, the motivation by democrats to say okay well now we need to do we need to codify something we need to do something um to protect this uh that makes sense i just it's not going to pass the senate and so you know I, I think you have to balance the policy and the politics here uh, it is I, it, came, it came to me it was you, you might remember it was in the mid-2010s so or the spate of transvaginal ultrasound
0: bills. oh they yeah, were okay. they were killers
1: they were killers as they well should have been it was it was absolutely and it, it's one of the most insane sociopathic things that anyone has proposed on any side. Um, that it was going around certain state legislatures and, and like Pennsylvania and Virginia and other states. And it was just an absolute killer for Republicans. And so uh, in those midterms. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's something uh, to keep in mind.
0: Well, I also think, and, and again, sort of, you know, doubling back on this, I, I, I hope that people understand that there are people who feel very strongly, very sincerely on this issue. Um, and, and many of them are very, very conflicted. I, you know, I was, I was listening to some commentator the other day who said, you know, the pro-life movement was completely concocted. It was completely artificial in order to cover up some racist agenda. And I'm thinking, no, no, look, the reality is, is that there are a lot of Americans that actually do believe that we ought to celebrate and cherish life who actually do believe we're talking about the preservation of human life and, um, who are not trying to subjugate women. They actually, do think that there is a moral component to this and i and i do think that there needs to be respect for that position especially because if you understand that many of those p- people who do want to celebrate life and yes many of them are totally inconsistent many of them are completely hypocritical when it comes to the death penalty or, or what happens after a child is born these are some of the same people who you know a- applauded you know the separation of families at the border and stuff and there's a real failure of much of the pro life movement but there are people of goodwill who will who are pro life who are going to look at this bill and say no this is terrible i do not want people spying on one another i do not want bounties on vigilant you know the vigilante uh, you know vigilante litigation that is going to harass people involved in all of this that that is not the way that you change the culture that's not the way you change people's hearts and minds that's not the way you reach young women who are making the decisions to do all of this see and that's that's i think the part of the tragedy of all of this is that pro-lifers ought to be focused on the culture of life as opposed to getting these draconian, cheap, own-the-libs wins. Because even though they may have short-term wins in the long run, I think they're doing themselves immeasurable harm.
1: This is really, I I just want to add to this, because um, I I got, you know, sort of waylaid dealing with the attacks on this, but it is true, like this is, this is this is a true point, and 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 I think that for people who who you know ha- have had a very deep seated conversions on this issue, uh, or, or, you know, even, you know, those who've had this from their, from their young, uh, wh- people who have had this personal experience, women, Sarah Quinlan wrote about this beautifully for yeah, us in the whole work last year, you know, who've looked at ultrasounds, their own ultrasounds, their wives, their sisters, their friends, and, and, and felt that connection. Felt Like that is a, that is a human, like this is a human and we need to protect this vulnerable human life for people that feel that sincerely, um, and uh, of which I, I count myself among them. Mm. Uh, like this bill is a nightmare for them. Yes, too, right. Like exactly. it's a nightmare for women, um, obviously, and like the uh, women who are going to have to suffer directly from this are, are, are obviously the number one um, people who um, are victim or will be victimized by this bill. But 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 for anyone that wants to persuade folks to that point of view that this is that this is something as a society we should value. Uh, I, I this bill is doing very serious harm to that. And I, and I completely agree with that. And I think that's an important, important point.
0: Well, and that was one of the debates that we had during the Trump era where pro, you know, many pro-lifers who said, OK, I'm going to swallow everything else. But if I get a Supreme Court justice who's pro-life, I'm willing to put up with everything else Donald Trump does. The counter argument to that was you have lashed yourself to all of this other stuff in the long run does that i mean again don't think of the next 4 years the next think of the next 30 40 years think about you know the the cultural impact of making of of putting the pro life movement in bed with trumpism with all of with all that other baggage and everything is that really what you want to do does does that really create a culture of respect for life because no. ultimately whatever happens it is going to come down to individuals choices and their values and their 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 sense of you know of, of who they are and all all of that plays together and i think this is one of the mistakes that the pro life movement has made is they became excessively legalistic and i just a little background because people might know you know i consider myself pro life and i raised money for many years for pro life movements and the thing that 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 was the most effective thing that that we were doing or that i was in, involved in was, you know, putting these ads on television that were not hectoring, were not threatening, were not calling for legislation. They were basically trying to convince young women, hey, you know what? If you choose life, you're not going to be alone. And, and here's and, and the stories of and basically they feature these young women talking about the choice they made, the dilemmas they made, um, you know, the the, the challenges and why they made the choice. And those kind that kind of hearts and minds campaign was moving the needle. It was changing people's decision. And pro choicers should not object to this because this was about, yes, you have the choice and we're hoping you make this choice as opposed to that choice. That's the way it should be. And now I think what's happened is it's devolved into we have to go along with Trumpism. We have to go along with these laws. We are spying on you. We're looking at you. We want to punish you. We want to ban this. We want to make it impossible. And I just think that's a fundamental betrayal of the of what ought to be the underlying values and strategy of this movement.
1: I, uh, I just want to add one last thing on this. There was a meme going around from Occupied Democrats yesterday. Uh, it says, uh, if the fetus is a person at six weeks, is that when child support starts? Is that when also you can't deport the mother because she's carrying a U.S. citizen? Can I insure <laughs> a six-week fetus yeah. and collect if I miscarry? I, I, a good rather... troll, I thought, a good troll. But also, I, I looked at that and kind of thought, "Yeah, if an actual pro-life movement would say yes to that, yeah. all the things. And there were, there were actually, to, to their credit, some pro-lifers who replied to them saying, yes, I support this. Now, that's very separate from the Republican Party. No Republicans, you know, j- can you imagine what Josh Mandel would say about, you know, co- calling a six-week, um, you know, uh, fetus, an American citizen already? Uh, you know, you can already <laughs> see what would be happening on the right there. But, but, but just in this imaginary world that you're talking about, which is how do you persuade, how do you bring people over to that side um, if, if you're of that, perspective to me, I look at that and say, yeah, that would be a much more persuasive six weeks is kind of, uh, you know, has its own problems, but, but just as a general statement, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, a bill that, that does that, that protects, you know, that, that, that helps women, um, who are dealing with pregnancies, um, by, you know, giving them the benefits of that, uh, of, of that child, um, earlier, Like, that would be something that could, you know, everybody's not going to be for that, obviously, but you're going to, that is drawing more people in, right? Because it is about this broader, broader culture of how can we support, you know, a culture of life, not just the child, but the mother, who oftentimes is going through a really challenging situation. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be, you know, considering an abortion. Tim Miller.
0: Tim Miller. So okay, go I'm going to do one other thing really quick. Sorry. I
1: just, I I'm going down to see the tigers this weekend and I'm going to enjoy myself, but I, I, I would be very remiss if I did not mention, uh, amidst me enjoying myself in Los Angeles. There are many people in actual Louisiana, um, who are, who are not, um, enjoy going to enjoy their weekend very much. Um, Uh, you know, with the, the cable moves on from these sorts of things, right? You have your dramatic picture and the winds and Al Roker is, you know, the winds are blowing Al Roker. I thought he was too old to do this sort of thing anymore. I felt like he kind of had had, had gained enough credibility to not be the guy, but he's still the guy and the winds are blowing. And and then a few days later, you know, you move on and Texas abortion bill and, and Afghanistan and whatever else comes up, economic numbers. Um, but, but there's still no power in new Orleans right now. Yeah. Um you know the they uh they did a wonderful job uh securing the levees after Katrina. Um so we're not totally incapable of doing anything right. Um but uh the Entergy, which is the company the um the uh, uh the electric company down there, um had an absolute catastrophe. Um yeah. supposedly they're supposed to have a backup plan for a situation like this. The backup plan has failed. Um, If you are somebody that is particularly low income, you don't have an option to leave town in New Orleans, um, you've now been stuck in 90 degree heat, humid in the summer, no air conditioning. If you didn't have water back up. it's been hard to go get water. Um, you know, no, uh, there's obviously a lot of other downstream negative consequences when you don't have electricity. Um, and so uh, I just, um, you know, want to kind of acknowledge that that is a very yeah. real problem that people need to be looking at, that, that, you know, that the the impact of, you know, these sorts of big climate events is not just like what happens on day one. And, um, you know, if folks um, can support uh, efforts to help that recovery, um, that's still something that is that is going to be an ongoing problem for a while
0: now. It is going to be, as well as the Northeast, which has also been stunning and the stunning death toll. Tim Miller, enjoy your trip to Los Angeles and your long holiday weekend. Uh, I'm going to be taking a few days off. I'm going to be out east. Um, Amanda Carpenter will be sitting in for me on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I will be back here on Thursday. And I'll
1: be talking with Bill Crystal on Thursday.
0: So just Excited. hang on. I'll,
1: I'll be listening now that I know that it's Amanda.
0: Well, Amanda's going to be sitting in for a, for a couple of days. And of course, next week is going to be the run up to the September 11th, 20th anniversary. And whoa. So just when you think things are going to calm down, you know, they, they won't. Because they never do. Tim, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. See you, Charlie. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. We will be back next Tuesday. Amanda Carpenter, I will be back next Thursday.